Our scripture this morning is from Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6 and 13 through 18. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld me, beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! I try to count them. There are more than the sand. I come to the end. I am still with you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for these words of the psalmist. We pray that we will, would uh, take into our very beings their meaning. Speak to us, Lord, in such a way that we understand that what the psalmist was trying to say so long ago is something very important for us to know about our lives today. So speak to us, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. When I grew up as a young, as a young child, when I was growing up, I guess I haven't quite got there yet, but uh, as I was growing up, I used to collect toilet paper rolls. <laughs> now, I was a strange child. <laughs> uh, while other boys were probably thinking, I want to grow up and be a firefighter or a police officer, I wanted to be a preacher. In fact, I, I can remember asking my grandfather, what's the difference between a preacher and a priest? I, I didn't know. All I knew is that I felt a real calling to, um, to somehow be a part of ministry with God in such a way that I could share with people uh, what was going on inside of me. So I don't know how many other boys uh, do that, but um, I don't know how many boys collect toilet paper rolls. Uh, when I was eight years old, I was an army brat, and we moved to Germany, and uh, I met an, another army brat by the name of Jerry, and we became close friends. We were best friends. And uh, we used to, again maybe marking the strangeness of my life, we would get together and we would do the things that a lot of normal boys would do. We, we played army, we, we played in the playground, but we also 
would get together, sometimes in his apartment. We lived in government housing, sometimes in, in our apartment, and we would read the Bible together. We'd read Bible stories. And these toilet paper rolls, we started to build an altar. <laughs> um, we taped them together and put cardboard across, whatever we could scrounge together, and it would never stand. It never stood. Our altar always collapsed. It was the most pathetic altar I've ever seen. And we laughed about it, and it was just sort of part of uh, growing up, being, being a kid. Years later, after I was married, our first son, Matthew, uh, he collected uh, turtles. And uh, he, he applied to be a student in high school at one of the governor's schools at that time in Petersburg called Appomattox Regional Governor's School. It's a governor's school for arts and technology. And uh, in those days, I don't know if it's still true today, but then uh, the students that were applying had to go uh, before kind of a committee for an interview, and the parents had to go as well. We had to be interviewed. I guess they wanted to make sure parents were kind of supportive of the child's education. And they came to a point in the interview where they said to Matthew, they said, Matthew, tell us something unique about yourself. And he sat there in silence for a while, and um, and and I I thought I'd help him out a little bit. I said, Matthew, tell him about your collection, you know. Like I said, he collected turtles. And immediately he, his eyes just brightened up, and he, yeah, yeah. And he said, I collect toilet paper rolls. And that's when I leaned over to my wife, Cheryl, and I said, I forgot about that collection. <laughs> I really was not expecting him to talk about toilet paper rolls. Well, you know, whenever, by the way, did I not, did I tell you my best friend back in Germany? He was black. Hmm. And I was a white boy from Alabama. It was 1960. Never thought that we were different. So whenever I think of toilet paper rolls, and whenever I think about my collection as a child, I think about Jerry, my best friend. Think about my son. And I hope and pray that the values and the faith that I shared with Jerry have somehow passed along to my son, Matthew. Well, I did become a pastor, as, as you know, and uh, I, after seminary, I was appointed to my first appointment in Northern Virginia at a church called St. Luke's United Methodist Church. It's right there uh, in Stone's Throw, Tyson's Corner. I went there as a bachelor, and, uh, and I met a young lady by the name of Cheryl, who was also single. And uh, we decided to kind of create a little puppet ministry. And, and I created a puppet, um, kind of like one of the Muppets, that kind of size. And um, a man in the church by the name of Ernest Daly created a puppet booth. And my wife, who to this day is gifted with many voices, um, and uh, she became the puppet. And I became the straight man. And every Sunday, we would have a little conversation between puppet and pastor. 
uh, with children and congregation got involved in it as well. Um, the puppet didn't have a name at first, so we had a little contest with the children and, and they named the puppet and they named it Prentice, which means learner. Well, it's appropriate name because I learned a lot in my years at that little church. Um, I learned to love and to be loved. I learned to love a young woman who eventually would become my wife. Um, and that puppet, whenever I think about it, we still have it. Um, um, it brings back all, all those memories and uh, being handmade, um, just like that altar so many years before made it that more precious and especially the booth that was built by Ernest. When Cheryl and I uh, finally were married 35 years ago, Ernest, uh, Ernest carved a chalice. Um, his name is on the bottom, Ernest Daly. By the way, uh, Ernest and Mary, his wife, their son, uh, used to play with Jimmy Buffett. He was the, uh, the uh, bass player at that time. We went to see him up at uh, Wolf Trap, and we sat on the front row, and they called out the dailies, and Cheryl and I were sitting next to there. Uh, it was a wonderful experience. Ernest was a really special person. This is a very special chalice for me because of that. Um, he also uh, carved out of wood a, a little cross that has hung on the front mirror of my car of every car that I've ever owned. Uh, and it hangs uh, under the mirror of my car to this very day. Um, that it's, it's very, very special to me. And, and so whenever I see that cross... Whenever I um, think of this chalice, I think of Ernest and his wife Mary and the love they shared with me as, as a friend and as a pastor. Well, as I said, he carved the chalice for our wedding. And uh, when we had the wedding, it, we had a relatively small wedding in terms of the wedding party. My brother was my best man and Cheryl's sister was her maid of honor. And we didn't have any other groomsmen or, uh, or bridesmaids. But we did have three couples that served as sort of greeters and, and ushers, um, three couples from the church. Ernest and Mary was one of those couples. Another couple happened to be uh, Danny Kessner, who is, um, who is our district superintendent now, my boss. Um, at the time, he was single. Uh, he was dating a young woman by the name of Barbara. It was Barbara's parents who uh, were the second of those three couples. And, and they, um, they participated in our wedding. As a thank you to the wedding party, those people who participated in the uh, wedding, Cheryl and I made some, uh, some coffee cups. And uh, Cheryl painted... The, the butterflies that are that are on there. The theme of our wedding was a journey shared because we were starting off on a new journey. She also painted the, the, um, the graphic of the two butterflies that we used on the cover of our, of our bulletin for the wedding. 
and and we then you know we we painted them we fired them and gave them to the people in our in our wedding party but underneath we we carved i carved a a scripture reference for each person in the wedding that was unique to the to the person who was receiving the, the cup and this one of course is the mug that we gave ourselves and under it is inscribed the scripture reference of Genesis 12, 1 through 2, which reads in this way, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And that's how we saw our relationship then and how we see it now, that God has blessed us so that we can be a blessing. And that has certainly, the first part of that has certainly been the case where we have been blessed in so many ways. Well, not long after uh, we were married, uh, I was reappointed and I was sent down to Richmond to become uh, director of communications and editor of our advocate. And I was in that position for 15 years. Matthew, our first son, was only months old. And um, so we came down, we found a little little house that was just big enough for Matthew and Cheryl and me. But by the time our third son arrived, uh, we had two boys in a bunk bed and the youngest in a crib that he was climbing out of uh, all in one bedroom. And it became clear we needed a little bit larger place. And so we found a piece of property and I designed a house and we built a house. And Matthew, when he was 14 years old, painted a picture of that house. Uh, and you see, you see that on the screen as well. Um, the house is very special to us, not only because it finally was big enough that we could all live there uh, comfortably, um, but it was special because of all the things that happened there. The boys grew up there, all three of them, and they learned to ride their bikes in the, in the driveway. They, uh, they ran a lemonade stand with their cousin Kristen at the, on the corner. And uh, the thing that I remember perhaps most is... Uh, during one of the hurricanes that came through the, through the region, we were concerned that this large tree on the corner was going to fall. So we tied it to a fire hydrant nearby. <laughs> Not a good idea. I, there we were out in the middle of the night, the rain pouring, the wind blowing, and we're out tying our tree to a fire hydrant. I can just imagine, I didn't look, but I can imagine Cheryl up on the porch just shaking her head. I am, I am living in a house with four idiots. I, <laughs> but it survived the storm. When I look at that hand-painted picture that Matthew painted for us, I think of family and how richly we have been blessed by the hand of God. It, it hangs in our living room. You cannot walk into the house without, without seeing it. Well, you and I are handmade just as surely as every item that I've shared with you this morning. God has made us. The psalmist wrote, O Lord, it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my, father, father's, in my mother's womb. When I held my 
first grandchild, Zoe Grace, just a couple of weeks ago and touched her little fingers and her toes. I thought to myself, only God could have made such a precious thing as a child. So think about it. If God has made us, then we have to be pretty special to God. That's the way it is with handmade things. That's why we we hang on to them for years and years because of the memories and and the meaning that they bring to us. The prophet Isaiah was speaking on behalf of God when he, when he wrote, See, I have carved you on the palms of my hands. No wonder God was willing to send his son Jesus into the world to save us from our own self-destruction. For telling that precious gift, Isaiah wrote these words in Isaiah 43, for t- Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. That is why we have to take care of each other and why we have to take care of ourselves. We've got to handle each other with care because God has made us. God has too many loving memories wrapped up in our lives. Toilet paper rolls and chalices and crosses and cups and paintings are just a few in my life. But the lives that we represent, the lives that have been so richly blessed, they are a gift from God. They are handmade by God. So we don't want to mess it up. As the saying goes, God don't make junk. So be gentle with each other and with yourself. Isn't that the message of the psalmist today? When you look in your in your mirror at home, just remind yourself that what you're looking at was made by God. And when you look at the faces of the people who pass by you on the street, every single one is a gift that was made by God's. So don't don't turn away. Don't think they're not special. If you're ever tempted to harm the person you're looking at in any way, shape, or form, then remember who made you and who made them. We are God's creations. We're handmade. So handle with care. Let us pray. Lord, forgive us when we mess up our own lives and the lives of other people. Forgive us when we treat one another as if we're really not even there. Remind us, Lord, that we're all handmade by you. Amen.